The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers. Then offer them wine to drink. So I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. I brought them to the house of the Lord into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdalilah, the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials, above the chamber of Masaiah, the son of Shalom, keeper of the threshold. Then I set before the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink wine. But they answered, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, you shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, you shall not sow seed, you shall not plant or have a vineyard. But you shall live in tents all your days that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he commanded us to drink no wine all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, and not to build houses to dwell in. We have no vineyard or field or seed, but we have lived in tents and have obeyed and done all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the land, we said, come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Syrians. So we are living in Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord? The command that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept and they drink none to this day for they have obeyed their father's command. I've spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently saying, turn now every one of you from his evil way and amend your deeds and do not go after other gods to serve them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you and your fathers but you did not incline your ear or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have kept the command of their, that their father gave them, but this people has not obeyed me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I have pr pronounced against them because I have spoken to them and they have not listened. I have called to them, and they have not answered. But to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done all that he commanded you, therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to stand before me. Let's hear once again the, the words of verse 13 and 14 as the Lord gives instruction to his servant, the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord. The command that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept, and they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. May the Lord add his blessing as we seek to devote our attention to his call by means of his word, we're thankful that we are given an open Bible. So many countries in this world, the Bible is illegal. We have an open Bible. So many countries in this world, we have brothers and sisters who, who even just a page are so delighted to receive the instruction of God's word. Congregation loved by the Lord God, if I would have asked you before we read Jeremiah 35 together, who are the Rechabites? Would you have been able to answer if I singled someone out in the congregation and pointed one way or another and, and said, uh, now are you familiar with the principle that Jeremiah chapter 35 teaches? story of the Rechabites is not the most well-known story in scripture, and yet God has given this account to be a blessing to our lives, to our walk of faith, and a walk of faithfulness, of fruitfulness. Every scripture has a purpose. Also with Jeremiah 35, we need to be reminded that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that God's people might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now our scripture lesson is one that speaks of honor and loyalty. It's a lesson that, that accentuates a, a people who are steadfast to their word in contrast to the covenant community, contrast to the children of Israel. It is a lesson that calls us to uphold the covenant that God has graciously given us, and the Rechabites remind us of the commitment that we are to make to our Heavenly Father and our call to live out of His covenant promises. Now, when you study the prophecy of Jeremiah, when you go through uh, the, this part of the scriptures, you learn quick enough that uh, failure to keep covenant brings curse. When we live life as God has designed, there is blessing. When we go our own way, we soon find ourselves in trouble. And the uh, people 
of Israel had heaped a lot of trouble on their own hands. Uh, the problem can be traced to one root cause, namely that of the heart. Always uh, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And uh, Jeremiah 35 illustrates this very well. As we consider the testimony of the Rechabites, we want not simply to rehearse uh, the, the story, but listen closely to a few applications that we must seek to live out in our own lives. We are given the call once again as we approach this new week and our tasks at hand to listen to our Heavenly Father. And to listen to our Heavenly Father as we face tests, tests are coming our way one way or another, uh, to listen to our Heavenly Father in order to maintain our testimony and to live out of the blessings of obedience. Listening is crucial. And we see that as uh, the word goes forth, there is a testimony that is tested, a testimony that is upheld, and finally, a testimony that is secured. Now, our scripture lesson begins with the word of the Lord once again coming to Jeremiah. And we need to be careful that we don't read too quickly. It's very significant to recognize that the Lord is speaking to his servant. And by extension, his servant speaks to the people of the Lord, the word of the Lord. The Lord is not silent. Now, Jeremiah is commanded to go to the house of the Rechabites to bring them to one of the chambers in the temple, we read, and then to offer them drink. And at first glance, we might raise an eyebrow or two and, and ask, now, what is all of this about? Jeremiah does what he's been told. He's been in the school of obedience now for many years. And such obedience has, has brought him plenty of difficulty. When you read through the prophets, you think, oh, how did they, they remain firm and, and pressing forward? Well, of course, it's a gift from the Lord, but some of the challenges. Now, this assignment was comparatively easy compared to previous assignments. And so Jeremiah he honors the Lord's will. He doesn't question what the Lord asks of him, gathers the house of the Rechabites, brings them into the chamber and sets before them bowls full of wine with cups and says to them, all right, now drink some of this wine. From reading of the scripture, it would seem to us that the clan uh, did not know what to expect when they were summoned by Jeremiah. But they heeded the prophet's voice they obeyed his call. They assembled in that chamber. And now the Bible tells us that when the Rechabites faced uh, Jeremiah's call at, at first blush, it, it would appear to be a dilemma to these people. Uh, humanly speaking, we, we might say, well, they were somewhat in a spot, a quandary, a predicament. After all, the prophet has just issued a command, but we get no sense, however, that the Rechabites fell on some kind of teeter-totter, wondering what to do, shall we, shall we not? Their response is firm 
and, and clear right off the bat. They don't hem and haw, but immediately and respectfully declare they cannot do what Jeremiah has asked them to do. They are adamant. Now, why? Well, they said no to Jeremiah because years earlier they said yes to their forefather, Jonadab. Uh, and we can read of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, in connection with Jehu. Go back in the scriptures, you read uh, concerning his life in 2 Kings 10. 2 Kings 10. But Jonadab, in turn, traced his lineage all the way back to the Kenites. You remember the Kenites? Who stands out amongst the Kenite tribe? Well, it's Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses. And the Rechabites committed themselves to a semi-nomadic life. Uh, you might say a little bit like the Amish. They sought to live a life of simplicity, not setting their roots down very deep. They did not establish settled communities, nor did they establish farms. This was the wish of their forefather, and they honored his wish. And it is remarkable to note their faithfulness stretching over a period of some three hundred years even in the midst of a test they listened to their father for a long time even as they faced Jeremiah they, they remained strong in their conviction they were convicted by their ancient path and their ancient past now all of this a remarkable testimony a rebuke against the Israelites. Earlier, a familiar text from Jeremiah chapter 6. These words were then spoken to uh, the, the covenant community. Jeremiah had to rehearse the same message many times. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. The Lord Jesus quoted from this verse when, when he encouraged the followers, his followers and disciples to, to rest in him. Find rest for your souls, those who are weary and heavy burdened. But now what was the answer of the Old Testament covenant community? But they said... We will not walk in it. Verse 17 of the same chapter. I set watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. The Rechabites, their obedience was unreserved. They obeyed their earthly father while the Old Testament church refused to give heed to listen to their heavenly father. The Rechabites obeyed in, in some what we call slight manners, earthly matters. Well, Judah did not obey in eternal matters. They, the Rechabites, obeyed a mere creature of the dust while the people of Judah uh, refused to obey the almighty creator mighty over all. 
Their restrictions did not come, the Rechabites, from God's law, but their self-imposed restrictions were a voluntary commitment. Indeed, the point of our passage does not focus on alcohol and the nomadic lifestyle, but the point is loyalty, honor. They had given their word. They had a deep respect for the family name identified by the practice of self-denial. So as we think on these matters in Jeremiah 35, we can quickly see that we too are called to be careful to whom we listen to. God is saying to his people of old, it's amazing. You, my covenant people, will listen to your pagan neighbors. You'll slide their way. But you will not listen to me, the God of heaven and earth, the God of covenant promise. Your ears have been stopped. And then we do well to ask ourselves now as we go forward in the week at hand, Who are we going to listen to? And in the midst of a particular test that may come your way, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand strong? Or are you going to cave in? You think of what is written in the letter to James early on in James, the servant of the Lord asks count or asks he says count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing well that's what comes before us as we We live in the world that we live in week by week. The Christian life is filled with tests. Our our tests in our home, our tests with our neighbors, our tests at work. How is it that we then will stand as a distinctive people, a people called to be set apart? Uh, Our tests can become massive temptations. In our tests, we can become double-minded and and find ourselves on that teeter-totter, unstable in our ways. And and you know from your own life, you know how you have responded in days gone by. How is it that we'll respond in days to come to maintain a firm resolve, that steadfastness, What is your struggle? We all have our own personal struggles. Where are you especially tempted, congregation? As a congregation and as families and as individuals? Are you tempted to be a grumbler? How will you defeat this particular trial, this temptation? Is alcohol your temptation? How will you 
stare that temptation, that test in the face and say, no, no. Is living up to the standards of others with respect to fashion your temptation? How will you come to see that that is but a chasing after the wind? Is it the big ticket purchase to get the adrenaline flowing? How will you then learn to evaluate your own motives? Let us always remember that the Lord Jesus has taught us to pray and we ought not to forget. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Remember that we recognize with our forefathers that by ourselves we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment. And our sworn enemies, uh, the devil, the world, and even our own flesh never stop attacking us. Remember to ask the Lord to, to uphold his people, to uphold you, to, to make us strong with the strength of the Holy Spirit so that we would not go down to defeat in, in this spiritual struggle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. Listen to your heavenly father. The Rechabites understood something of what it was to stand up against temptation. They didn't let the culture dictate how they were going to live. They didn't let the culture of the day determine the parameters of their own lifestyle. And certainly our culture is constantly taunting us, vanity fairs all around us, join in, be like us. Do we allow our young people to be consumed by sports? How much time do we waste on Facebook? What about this so-called cell phone that is far too often glued to the hands of our young people. Perhaps the sharpest point of attack in culture is, is that concerning the confusion with respect to gender that, that lives in increasing measure in our immediate culture. Or is the sharpest point of attack political correctness or pagan secularism Perhaps they're, they're all tied together in, in, in rebellion against God. How we are warned again to not be caught up in the spirit of the age. What does it mean for us to be counterculture? Combining Christianity with the attitudes of the world results in canceling our Christian conviction. We are to find the narrow way. The broad way will find itself. Self-denial is the call of the Christian. We have a fight to fight the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith also then fighting against the spirit of the age. The Israelites of long ago allowed themselves, found themselves, desired for themselves to get caught up in the spirit of the age, over and again, we know the story. But we all need to answer the question, what is the relationship between culture 
and true Christianity? And how is Christianity to influence culture? And how must we guard against culture neutralizing the Christian culture? What does it mean to be a set-apart people, a distinct people, a people who know what it is to truly be Christian, both in belief and practice? And how do we guard ourselves from becoming a go-with-the-flow type of people? These, these are self-searching questions that, that need to be answered by our souls. Always systematic unbelief must be answered by systematic belief. The world says this. The Bible says, listen to their heavenly father. Now, one of the dangers that we all face, I know I face it, is what is called the spiral of silence. You ask, now what, what is that? The spiral of silence affects those who fear social isolation to the point that they generally go along with what they think the popular opinion may be, even if they object to that opinion themselves. It's not just in the society at large. It can be right in the school. It can be in the catechism classroom. Instead of speaking up, Silence prevails, and the silence encourages others to remain silent, and so the spiral continues. Now, the Rechabites, they did not keep silent. They stood up to the test, or we might say they stood the test up. Uh, the scriptures call us to step outside the, the, spiral, the spiral of silence, and if we are silent, is it any wonder that society at large has gone to pot? Pun intended. One generation, how much has changed in our own nation? How important it is for us to hold to the confidence of the Christian worldview as it is defined and demanded by the Bible, not just because it is true for Christians, but because it is to be the norm of all society. The Ten Commandments are, are not only for Christians, they are for everybody. And we're not to be embarrassed by our biblical worldview. It's a worldview given to us by our Heavenly Father for our good and for the good of all people. The Rechabites stood firm to maintain their testimony. They did not waver from their commitment. What a challenge to us. Isn't it so, congregation? A chapter that we find in a hidden place in the scripture, so to speak. We don't come across Jeremiah 35 very often. But what a challenge God's word puts before us. Uh, it's so easy to just blend in how firm are we to our commitments, to our, our worldview, to our confessions, to, to the truth of the Holy Scriptures? How much of the lie of culture are we tempted to swallow? We cannot serve two masters. It will be either the one or the other. The church must lead the way in showing a better way. Historically, that has been in the building of hospitals, 
or in the care of those who are in the sunset of their lives. It was the Christian witness of William Wilberforce that broke down the walls of slavery in Great Britain. It is the Christian who must keep speaking for the voiceless, bearing witness to the fact that life is sacred from conception to natural death. It is the Christian that is to be faithful in holding to the truth, speaking the truth in love. Our scripture lesson closes with a promise for the Rechabites. I want to hear that once again in the verses 18 and 19 at the conclusion of the chapter. But to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done all that he commanded you, therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to stand before me. It's a testimony then that has been approved a testimony that is commended and is now also secured. There is the promise of the perseverance of the saints and and the Lord promises that there will always be someone from the family line to stand before him. The Rechabites are rewarded. Judah is judged. What a blessed promise is given to the Rechabites. But lest we think that our text today promotes works righteousness, We confess that every sin is an act of covenant breaking. Every sinner is a covenant breaker. Do we make the covenant null and void when we sin? Oh, thank the Lord, thank God that the mystery of God's grace is that he continues to keep his covenant even when we break it. Ultimately, ultimately, it is because Christ has perfectly kept covenant on our behalf that we find our relationship with the Lord God in heaven above. The Lord Jesus perfectly fulfilled his Father's will. The Lord Jesus perfectly listened to his Father even at the deepest moment of grief and sorrow. And so as we consider Jeremiah 35, we certainly must hear and see Christ in this chapter. Uh, over and again, we, we need to be pointed to the Lord. and Over and again, we, we must learn what it is to rest and rely, not on our own obedience, but the obedience of Christ. How beautiful the testimony that we find in Belgic Confession, Article 23. Speaking of the justification of our of, of sinners. We believe, we believe that our, blessed, our blessedness lies in the forgiveness of our sins because of Jesus Christ, and that in it our righteousness before God is contained. As David and Paul teach us when they cl- declare that man blessed to whom God grants righteousness apart from works. Do you believe that, congregation? Oh, you must. 
And the same apostle says that we are justified freely or by grace through redemption in Jesus Christ. And therefore, we cling to this foundation, which is firm forever, giving all glory to God, humbling ourselves, recognizing ourselves as we are, not claiming a thing for ourselves or our merits, and, and leaning and resting only on the obedience of Christ crucified which is ours when we believe in him. That is enough to cover all our sins and to make us confident, freeing, freeing the conscience from fear and dread and terror of God's approach without doing what our first father Adam did who trembled as he tried to cover himself with fig leaves. In fact, if we had to appear before God relying no matter how little on ourselves or some other creature, then alas, we would be swallowed up. And therefore, everyone must say with David, Lord, do not enter into judgment with your servants, for before you no living person shall be justified. <coughs> just beautiful, just beautiful. We want to... Also think of what it is that we confess with Lord's Day 23. How are you righteous before God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Even though, even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all God's commandments, of never having kept any of them, and of still being inclined toward all evil, nevertheless, out any merit of my own, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me, listen well, the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. As if I had never sinned nor been a sinner. And as if I had been perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me if only I accept this gift with a believing heart. Beloved, over and again we must turn to the Lord Jesus. Trust the Lord. Hold to Christ in faith. Believe the gospel and live out of the gospel it is true. We may not forget that God calls his people to be faithful in faith and faithful in practice and the exercise of faith. That's also why we pray thy will be done. And when we ask the Lord's will in our lives, we, we ask that, that the Lord would help us to reject our own wills and to obey his will without any backtalk in the recognition that God's will alone is good. That's why we pray for the Lord's help to, to carry out the work that we're called to do in the kingdom of God as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. But ultimately we need to see that the storyline of Jeremiah 35 is a lesson foreshadowing the Christ. Only Jesus has perfectly, perfectly upheld God's holy law in every 
aspects. And what an encouragement it must be for us as we go forth in this week to know that there is a man in the flesh representing us in heaven, one standing on our behalf before the throne room in heaven, before the Father, in order that the not guilty sentence be conferred. And what a comfort it must be for us to know that the Father rules all things through our blessed Savior. May the Lord so grant us a a heart filled with joy. We are here because of the gospel. We are here because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished on our behalf. So brothers and sisters, be encouraged to listen to your heavenly Father. Be encouraged to listen even as we live in the confidence that the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, intercedes on our behalf, even perfecting our prayers for the glory's sake of our great God. This we proclaim in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, as we have listened to Scripture, as we have sought to give some attention to the proclamation of the word, it is our earnest prayer that, that we be given much strength and holy delight to listen to our Heavenly Father. It is our prayer, Lord, that as we face our tests, that we might maintain our testimony by thy good grace and to know the blessing of obedience, to know that a life lived in confidence before the Lord is a life worth living and to ultimately know that the Lord Jesus Christ has secured a place for the people of the Lord in heaven above. We thank thee, Lord Jesus, for thy perfect obedience. We thank thee, Lord Jesus, for thy intercessory work. We thank thee, Lord Jesus, that by thy merits we are granted a place not in the chamber of an earthly temple, but a place in the rooms prepared by the hand of the Lord Jesus. O oh Lord God, so fill us with this glorious message as we go forth in the callings and tasks of the week. And this we pray in the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus' name. Amen.